Hello and welcome to the Keep It Local Maine podcast, where we tell the stories of local business owners and Maine residents and learn more about what they do, who and what inspires them, their challenges, successes, and more. My name is Kimberly Rigolinski. And I'm Todd Rigolinski. And we are the publishers of Keep It Local Maine, a local magazine that helps to showcase local businesses to the people in and around their communities. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast that you can subscribe to on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can learn more about us at keepitlocalmaine.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram through the links in the show notes. In this episode, we'll be talking to Gregan from Bueno Loco Mexican Restaurant in Falmouth. Gregan and Jeremy are a sister-brother team that bought Bueno Loco in the spring of 2020. After working part-time at the restaurant as their fun job, they heard that the owner was looking to retire, believing that Bueno Loco had too much potential to close and that they decided to buy it and breathe new life and energy into it while also preserving some of its origins. Welcome to the show, Gregan. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Yes, indeed. So tell us, um, we're excited to hear about this. So tell us about how you came to be uh, the owner of Bueno Loco in Falmouth. So my roommate um, had been working there for years as the primary bartender. And I, you know, was in the middle of a, a long career in the mental health field and mm-hmm. he would come home and say geez you should you should come work at Bueno it'd be a lot of fun you know just do it one or two days a week mm-hmm. and I you know would get home at four o'clock every day and have kind of nothing to do my kids are all grown so I started doing that and it was just like one or two evenings a week and I enjoyed it you know I did it in college and um, you know kind of fell back into the swing of things and had a lot of fun and my brother, who just lives two miles down the road, um, you know, sort of got intrigued and we've always been very close. And I said, well, why don't you get a job there too? And let's have a sibling night. Let's just make it like a fun brother and sister show. And uh-huh, we, yeah. we did. Yeah, it was kind of, it was fun. That's so great. we did that on Wednesdays um, and he was the bartender and I was the waitress. And so we really enjoyed that experience and we were having a lot of fun and, you know, friends and family would come in to see us and we kind of mm-hmm. got a kick out of it. And the owner at the time um, was spending a lot of her time in Florida. So you can imagine how hard it is to run a restaurant from 2000 miles away. And mm-hmm. we'd heard that she was approaching the point where she was interested in retiring. Her youngest was graduating high school. And I think that was her plan all along. Um, was to kind of be done with the restaurants around that same time. So we, you know, kind of looked at each other and thought, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, we bought it? Because we thought it had a lot of potential. And um, I think she was kind of done, you know, psychologically or looking to be done. And so Mm -hmm. we thought this place could really be something special. And I had remembered years prior reading an article in Fortune 500, which I don't generally read, but I think mm-hmm. I was like waiting for an appointment. And so I read this article and it talked, it, it, it interviewed like 500 very successful people and it tried to find the common denominator and what it was that made all of them successful and on this list of millionaires or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And, and the one thing that came across from that article is that it wasn't, you know, whether you had money or were born with money it wasn't your background or the color of your skin or opportunity it came down to one factor and that every one of them took a calculated risk 
And that always really stuck with me because it Mm. told me that success really is accessible and available to everybody. Mm. But what makes a big difference is how you look at that risk and how you kind of make it your own. So anyway, Mm. we thought, geez, we have no experience in hardly working in a restaurant, much less owning one. Mm-hmm. But I did think that between my brother and I, you know, combined, we have 50 years of business and life experience. And we thought, mm-hmm. how hard could it be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, like, like all good stories, how hard could it be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right? Buy a restaurant, wow. they said. It'll be fun, they said. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so we started talking with the owner and just said, hey, you know, we heard that you are looking to perhaps retire and we would not mind having a conversation with you about this because we may be interested. And she, Mm -hmm. you know, liked us and said, sure, let's talk. And that was back in November of 2019. Mm -hmm. And so we started, you know, throwing mud at the idea and we started working um, with SCORE in Portland, which I can't say enough about. They were just an invaluable resource and we were given a wonderful mentor, uh, Chris Weber, who is in the industry of food and service and hospitality. And mm. she was a fantastic fit for us. And nice. yeah, we just thought, okay, we just kept going down the path, not really sure if we were going to pull the trigger, but we decided that we really wanted to go for it. And the process of going for it really galvanized us and energized us. And so um, that happened. And then of course we started hearing chatter about this thing called COVID on the West coast. Mm-hmm. And that was in February. And then, you know, it was kind of barreling down the pike, you know, heading East and we just kept mm-hmm. going through with the process and, um, we thought, okay, you know, COVID will be a thing, but it won't be a forever thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we thought, okay, you know, we go through a couple of months of it being challenging, but it, it'll give us time to kind of rebrand the, restaurant and give us a chance to, you know, learn the things that we need to learn, or at least start the process of learning the things. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, as we all know, COVID, you know, had its own agenda and has Mm -hmm. stayed far longer than any of us would have preferred. Mm -hmm. Um, And so here we are, you know, having to kind of ride out this time and try and keep this thing afloat. And we continue to do that. You know, there's been some real silver linings in this for us. And there's been some real fears. Um, but the bottom line is that we don't know anything other than starting and running a business during COVID. Mm-hmm. So it's um, where we see a lot of our fellow industry folks reacting in different ways than perhaps we are, because it's the only thing we know. And I'm not right. saying that's made it easier. It's just made it different. Yeah. Mm. Wow. What is it about the process? Because you said the process kind of galvanized you, you and your brother. What is it about the process that was kind of exciting or that, that was part of that, that galvanizing? I think with anything that you want to see be successful, there has to be a dream behind it that propels mm. it forward. Mm-hmm. So people talk about vision boards. You know, I mean, you, you, you do things in life because of outcomes and you of course, for most of us, it's true that we probably only look at you know the rainbows and the positives and all the bright sides, you know, of all the mm-hmm. things. And I, I really still, and I'll say we for Jeremy and I, my brother, you know, we we still see those bright things. I think everything is in place for us to be successful. We're just in a holding pattern. But you know, I'm still we're eight months into this, and I'm still struggling to understand profit and loss statements. You know, I still find the bookkeeping process to be just so perplexing and it still takes 
you know, my breath away when I get a CMP bill every month that's $2,000. Because, <laughs> mm. you know, when you live, you know, at home simply, you know, you expect a, a $90 CMP bill, but, you know, so yeah. I, that's a little off topic, but it's a real shift, you know, when you're dealing with something that's so fluent. And it's an interesting challenge for my personality type because I am one of these people that, you know, I like to clean because. I can stand back and say, aha, you know, that mm-hmm. task is completed and I check it off my list and it satisfies me to have something done. And then you move on to the next project. And with this restaurant, it's never done. And there's never anything mm-hmm. that's truly crossed off the list because if there mm-hmm. is, there's something that comes up right behind it and replaces it. So I find that kind of energizing to mm-hmm. learn and study the things that we don't know. Mm-hmm. It's been a tough mix of having to work at the restaurant, obviously we're trying to, you know, be save costs and, and watch payroll and, and that kind of stuff. So we do a lot of the work ourselves and it's a big restaurant. It's 4,100 mm. square feet. It's not small. So everything that we've had to do just feels a lot harder, like payroll, you know, I've never done payroll for 24 employees. So that takes mm. time, you know, just the insurances, all the things to, to run a business has just been slower for us because they're all new experiences. So I think that also kind of energizes us to do the best we can do so that we can move on to the next task. But it, mm-hmm. it is just astounding that it just, you know, you just never really get anything done. It's just, yeah. yeah You're learning a lot. It sounds like, it sounds like you guys are constantly in that learning process though, which is going to be gratifying in some level too. just all the different things that you're learning. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And and the things that you didn't expect, you know, to know how to learn and the little mm-hmm. things that go wrong and, uh, you know, managing problems versus people. And then, of course, you know, the marketing piece and all of this, I, I you know, I, I would say I had very little marketing experience prior to this. And now I feel like I am marketing five times a day and learning mm-hmm. how to be creative and learning how to use all this, you know, these platforms that enable you to create good looking marketing contents. And Mm -hmm. it's a really tough thing to try and drive people to your business while at the same time being responsible about COVID and not trying Mm -hmm. to encourage people to gather in groups and to sit together at a table, you know, but at the same time you have to have people in your doors to support Mm -hmm. your business. So it's Mm -hmm. a fine line that I find we're always walking where we want to encourage people like, come, we can make this safe. We can make this reasonable. We can follow the rules. We do follow the rules. And that really worked well for us. That was a successful model for the first, you know, six months. And now, you know, for the month of November, as we face these spikes and and just the natural downturn in the industry in November anyway, that's always classically true. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I find myself you know, okay, what can I do in social media to keep us on people's radar and keep us in their vision, but not encourage, you know, people to come flooding in the doors. It's almost like asking for too much business is a double-edged sword these days, which I think is a new experience for a lot of um, Mm -hmm. business owners um, where you want people, but you don't want too many people, you know? Yeah. Um, So having to scramble to come up with unique ways to kind of, keep people interested, to keep people engaged, you know, to get them to order a gift card instead of walking in the door or to do delivery or takeout, you know, and that was never a big part of our bottom line to begin with. So 
there's a lot of scrambling to anticipate what you mm-hmm. need and what you don't need. But we, you know, we have a lot of fun. I, I, I think, I think one of the things I like best about this experience is that we are really taking all the advice, of course, and we're following, you know, all the recommendations of the experts that, you know, we kind of have circled our wagon to help us. You know, we, we do all those things, but we also are kind of unconventional and we have a lot of fun and we've had really good consumer feedback about that. You kind of never totally know what you're going to get when you come into Buena Loco. <laughs> and it's, I say that with a big smile on my face. And that has a lot to do with like the atmosphere. I mean, the food is always consistent, of course, and the rules are consistent, but the the energy can be variable. And I kind of like that. You know, we had, we had a patio full of people one day and it was beautiful out. And then the dark clouds came and the thunder started to rumble. And my brother stood out in the middle of the patio and he said, Hey folks, I think we're about to get hit with a downpour feel free to grab your plates, you know, come inside. We have tons of socially distanced seating. So find a spot. We'll find you, you know, let's just uh, do this together. And sure enough, you know, the gods opened and the floods came down (laughs) and people grabbed their plates and their margaritas and everybody ran inside. And then my brother kind of disappeared for a minute. And then all of a sudden over the PA system, the whole restaurant, he put on riders on the storm, you know, by the doors. And he played it kind of loud and the whole restaurant just started cracking up and people were applauding, you know, and it was just a really fun moment. It. And it, it was this, you know, one of those little examples of silver linings yeah. in, in yeah. all things. Um, yeah. And and people were just delighted by that, you know, little unexpected thing, you know, that happened. And that's not what you'd expect to see in a restaurant. Like things are usually, I find most restaurants build themselves on consistency. You want Mm -hmm. the same thing every time you want to expect the same food, the same service, the same results. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, McDonald's does so well because it's consistently the same thing every time. And Mm. that absolutely is a working model, but it hasn't 100% been our model. Mm -hmm. And that's been a delightful surprise. Um, you know, seeing that customers kind of like that, you know? Yeah. 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 There's a little bit of an adventure when you go to Buena Loco. <laughs> so something that I you said a little bit earlier about your your personality and and the fact that you like to clean because uh, you you can see the things getting done in front of you. I just want to I just want to let you know and all the listeners know that I I looked over at Kim and I had a big smile on my face because that is I feel seen. That's that's my personality type, and it yes. is most definitely not Kim's personality type. <laughs> And I and that's and that's great, like because it's it's that balance. Do you find is that a similar dynamic with you and your brother? Like you have this type of personality, and he has another type of personality that balances. And if not, how do you find that balance within that business? So interesting question. You know, the good news is that Jeremy and I both are cleaners. Are you know, we just our parents were good at it, and they taught us how to do it, and. You know, we are both people that really care a lot about ambiance. So besides mm-hmm. it being clean, we really like lighting to be a certain way. You know, we fill the restaurant every night. Even if there's two people in it, there's candles. You know, we have little oil candles and because mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. looks nice. And I think if it looks nice, it feels nice and it adds to the experience. So Jeremy, mm-hmm. you know, is almost more of a cleaner than I am. And he would kind of start going a little bit nuts about cleaning. And I, you know, we had to have a conversation about, 
Jeremy, you're, you're spending too much energy and you're burning too many calories doing this job because tomorrow we're going to have to do it all over again. And I, mm. you know, we kind of had to use the analogy like, you know, Jeremy, I think we have to look at this restaurant like this is a stage, you know, and, and we're putting on a performance every night, you know, a dining experience, specials on the menu, whatever it might be. You know, this is theatrical in some ways. And so you have to look at it, look at it from the customer or the guest point of view. And if they come in and it looks clean and it feels clean and it is clean and it's low lighting and great music and it feels good, we've done our jobs, you know, Mm. but he'll say, but I didn't get to the windows today. And I'm saying to him, I don't think they're going to (laughs) notice. We can do it tomorrow. (laughs) I think they care more that their menus are squeaky clean and that the tables are, you know, spotless and, you know, I, I really think it's going to be okay, but that's a change because when you have such a big spot, you know, space like you do in a restaurant, you, you kill yourself, you know, trying to do everything every day. So he's also very old school. You know, we grew up children of the seventies and eighties where there just wasn't a lot of regulation. And of course we enjoyed those perks of having less regulation. You know, I remember having a fake ID at age 16 and nobody batted an eye, you know? <laughs> or so, how, about that, how about that third row seat in the station wagon that was right, facing backwards? Yeah. No seatbelts yeah, anywhere to be found. None. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Put sock poppets out the back window. You know, yeah, we oh, yeah. did all The back window that oh. rolled down and then, you know, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Death trap. Yep. All the exhaust pouring in. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Yep. Exactly. And I think when you grow up like that, you <laughs> carry with you a little bit of lawlessness, you know, like <laughs> rules or suggestions, a, you know. Uh, just a fatalistic, fatal, fatalistic sense of life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably going to be propelled out the back window of the station wagon at some point. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to have dessert first tonight. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, you find that you have to set examples for people around you. And, you know, those examples should be set in stone. I mean, we should have a set of standards around behavior like any place probably should. And, you know, I find for us, you know, sometimes if COVID is hit particularly hard and we've had a tough week, we will try and elevate and lighten the mood by being a little sillier than what people might Mm. expect of us or we'll play Mm -hmm. that music a little bit louder and that you know that's kind of tough because we've you know we're both you know middle-aged and that's been a model that's worked well for us but now Mm. it you you question whether can we actually do this and and generally we find we've gotten thumbs up you know what I mean yeah yeah I don't want to get off topic but I'm not sure I totally answered your question. No, um, I, that was great. I, that I think was you've. Great. I think it's interesting because I think in in some ways, for for our business, we I think we each have a, a respective area of turf, and that we, there's yeah. balance in that. Whereas it seems like you and your brother have similar personalities, and you've found a, a way to balance yeah. kind of both for yourself and then as as a group, which is mm. which is really good. It's it's I mean and it's sort of like what you're talking about. There's a there's a thousand ways to do things mm. and there's a thousand different types of restaurants and things like that. And it's good to yeah, have there's that, not, that different energy, you know? There's not one way to do it. And you know, I we have always been very close. We have another brother, Josh, as well. And the three of us have always been three, you know, peas in a pod. And we're very lucky that way. We we just have very strong relationships and we've always looked after each other, you know, in all the ways you'd want to. And Jeremy and I have had like three yelling, screaming fights 
which we haven't done in 50 years together. And it's, you know, it's when we go back and kind of talk about it and process it, it is, you know, the stress of this industry and the stress of these times. And I think because we're so close, we feel some measure of okayness with taking it out on each other. Mm. But I, you know, having been in mental health field for so long, I'm like, wow, this is, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe we've stooped to these levels of communication. (laughs) And then I finished Anthony Bourdain's, you know, Kitchen Confidential book where they were throwing knives at each other and cursing and, you know, like, and I thought, Oh, we're fine. You know, I think it it really comforted me. Like, yes, we're in the club, you know, we're, we're becoming dysfunctional and falling apart at the seams on an occasional given day. And that just makes us like everybody else. So if we almost didn't have these, you know, problem areas, I would think we're doing something wrong. Right. Yeah. In a a normal sense, it's, it is kind of funny in, in restaurant world and having only kind of vaguely been in that, you know, from the wait staff side and all that, it does seem like the things that are normal outside of that world, like the restaurant would be would be considered a case study of of that. But in, in restaurant worlds, like, Oh no, this is how you become successful. Like, really? This is how it works. Okay. It's so true. And you know, we have a lot of, I I just amazing friends and family that have supported us along the way. We have friends that have worked for free people with really good, you know, industry skills that have helped us. Our 80 year old dad will come in and, wash dishes. I mean, it's really like a team and community effort and we will get snippy. You know, our, our head chef, our executive chef beefy is just wonderful. And one of the greatest personalities and human beings you could meet. And we will go at it with each other sometimes. And we decided early on that no matter what happens while we're on the clock, we will let it pass like water under a bridge. And the, the, the rule, and I was going to say unspoken rule, but it's really spoken is that, you know, we hug it out at the end of the night because when, when hot plant pans, you know, are flying and I don't mean that literally, but you know, when, when tension is high and things are really kind of stressful, we can get short and snippy and defensive and triggered. And Mm -hmm. when you have 15 people working together in a high stress environment, Mm -hmm. you know, the best of intentions aren't enough to keep you afloat sometimes. And so we'll get short with each other and we will bark at each other. Mm -hmm. But every night, you know, when we leave that restaurant, you know, there's always a hugging out, whether it's just verbally or physically, but we just kind of go, sorry, man, that was like, you know, I just was stressed and people smile and say, I get it. And I love that part. It's, it's the redeeming, you know, the, the redeeming clothes at the end of the night. And, uh, you know, every, every night when I leave that restaurant, if I'm the last one there, you know, the back door has the master switch where all the lights go off in the restaurant. And I, I always look back in across the expanse of the dark restaurant to make sure that there are no lights left on. And when I'm satisfied that it's dark as it should be, I always say, good night, bueno. And I say it <laughs> just like that. And I sometimes I even blow a little kiss, you know, because it yeah. it did all the things for us. You know, it yes. protected us from each other, you know, from <laughs> the scary outside world. It it took the good, bad and ugly and it it put us through another day, you know, and it's, awesome. know, it's a little it's like ritual. Po- it's like poetry. It's like poetry. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. It, it, after a while it becomes its own thing, its own personality, its own character in the story. It does. Uh, which, which actually leads me to go back to, uh, to beefy, which uh, number one, I love great that name. name for a chef. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. Come on. Yes. I, I, 
I feel I feel a little a little underwhelmed with my own name when I hear cool names like that. Beefy, um, I know. <laughs> but can you tell us a little bit about you know about him maybe, and then just overall just the type of food that you the have food, at Bueno yeah. Loco? Yeah, absolutely. So Beefy, um, and his name is Sean Stanton, but he goes by the name Beefy, which. From what I understand, and I did ask him, this really doesn't have a lot to do with food, but it's more of a disc golf name. He's a he's a you know he's a disc golf player, and um, mm. somewhere along his path of doing that, he was given that name, and it just stuck. And of course, it's a perfect fit for a chef. Yes, um, oh, yeah. yes. And he is a meat guy, he absolutely. And he, from you know, from the way I understand the story. You know, he kind of heard about us. You know, Buena Loco was under new ownership, and we were kind of adding some new things to the restaurant and breathing some new life into it and changing some things up. And he had worked for several years at Terra Lingua in Portland, and they were under renovations for their new building and, you know, weren't ready to bring their staff back yet. And so he was kind of itching, I think, to get back into the kitchen. And so he kind of, mm-hmm. I, I feel like he secret shopped us and he sat at our bar. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> and it's an open kitchen in Buena Loco. So he just kind of observed and I think he mm-hmm. ate some things and talked to some people. And so he kind of approached us and said, I think you have something pretty cool going on here. And I would like to talk about being a part of it. And we really needed, you know, an executive chef. We didn't have one. We wanted to stick to a lot of the menu items that our customers know and love and come back for, but we also wanted to, you know, to bring a couple of new things on board. Mm-hmm. And you know, with COVID, you just you have a COVID menu. You know, you have right, fewer right. things. Mm-hmm. You kind of got to pare things down and go with basics. And so he really helped us do that. And he came on board this summer, and you know, he's just been fantastic. He's very creative. He's That's you awesome. know. One of his personalities where the minute he can get out of that kitchen and walk around and talk to customers, it's one of his favorite things to do, and they just love it. Oh, God. Um, he's very approachable. He's Oh, he's funny. He's got such a great sense of humor. So he really, he's just got a lot. You know, He's like a, a doctor with a terrific bedside manner, you know, a surgeon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some, I did want to ask, because I, I love food, so I just uh-huh. had to get to this question. And it's getting towards lunch. I'm so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so hungry. Why do we always do, why do we always I do the know. interviews at the I restaurants so before <laughs> lunch? Growling. We need to start doing this afterwards. I know. So tell us about the food. What are some of the specialties? Like, what are some of the things that are popular there? And what are some of your specialties? Can you walk us through a few of those? Sure. You know, I, I think we have sort of your basic Mexican fare, you know, burritos, quesadillas, tacos. I think the thing that has set us apart is something called the birria taco. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a West Coast, or what started in this country. I'm, not, I'm excluding Mexico because I think that's its origin. I know it's its origin because I had done some Googling. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it hit Southern California and then the West Coast, and it's been slowly coming east, like most mm-hmm. things do. Mm-hmm. And it is called the wet taco and it's a street taco. And it, it's something that is often done with goat. We use beef. You can use carnitas. You can use, you know, any kind of meat really, but you throw cheese on a flat top and then you dip your corn tortilla in the juice and the fat of the meat that has been slow roasted for mm-hmm. a, you know, a prolonged period of time. And then you kind of fry that corn tortilla on a flat and then you stuff it with the shredded meat, the poblano peppers, you know, the beans. Uh, you add some onion and, you know, cojita cheese. Uh, and then you kind of grill it. And then it's served with a bowl of consomme, which is really the drippings and all the stew juices left over from the slow roasting. 
Oh, Lord of mercy. Right. So you get this taco that's crisp on the outside and gooey and cheesy and so packed nice. with, you know, just shredded, very tender meat. And then you hold your bowl of consomme and you dredge it through the stew and you lean over to not get anything on your shirt and you just take a big messy bite and people love it. It's, it's very flavorful. It's rich. It's hearty on the heat index. It's probably about a three out of a 10. So it appeals to a lot of people and they call it the wet taco. So that's been a lot of fun promoting that and getting people to try it. You know, beefy. You had me a dredge. Yeah, me right. A dredge. The wet, the wet taco. Get, so that oh my gosh, has been that a lot of fun. Amazing. Beefy will not let it go on the to-go menu. We we've done our battles, and I I waved the <laughs> white flag and said, "Okay, you win," because it to come off that flat top and have it be so crispy and yet mm-hmm. soft at the same mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. You know that just won't travel well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what happens to a grilled cheese sandwich if you wrap it up right. in foil and send it home, right? So yeah. same kind of thing. So he is just, you know, he loves to play uh, creatively like that. Our wings at Buena Loco, you wouldn't necessarily think that a Mexican restaurant would have a chance to compete in the wing industry, but we do. I think it's probably mm-hmm. one of the things we sell the most of. Our wings are just awesome. I don't know what these guys do. They're gluten-free too, which is very appealing. Oh, um, we, Todd. Yeah, it is. Our restaurant has a lot, a big following of uh, vegan folks, dairy-free folks. We have a lot of things on our menu that cater to people with particular food interests or limitations. Mm -hmm. Um, So we uh, appeal to that group a lot, and we kept that going. The restaurant has always been that way. The previous owner was very good at making sure that you know was a part of the menu and mm-hmm. we just carried that forth because people That's have great. been so loyal to us about that so mm. i think we do a great job offering some very unique vegan fare vegetarian fare and that's been pretty successful for us what beefy does to an enchilada is just beyond me but i've never <laughs> thought i would use the word bright to describe an enchilada but mm. he, this just nails it they are fantastic they are so good people I watch people in the restaurant take a bite and then put their fork down and just stare with their eyes wide and look down at their plate. I've never thrown away an enchilada at that restaurant. You know, people will (laughs) either take what they couldn't finish home, you know, they eat every bite. It's kind of fun to see that, you know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they have, they have good food. They do a good job. And of course, you know, our goal going forward is that we wanted to, you know, introduce a little bit more of a, of, you know, a, a fusion type menu where I'm interested mm-hmm. in, you know, some of the Caribbean entities, Cuban foods, you know, I'd love to kind of mix it up a little bit, still have some of the classic favorites that people love, but to introduce, you know, yeah. some more entree style things uh, and have That's it great. be, you know, not just Mexican, but I don't know. It's a, it's an idea we think about, but of course you just think about these things, just like how Bueno started it. You have your vision and you have mm-hmm. your goal and you just mm-hmm. keep an eye on it and eventually you mm-hmm. start taking steps towards it. And yep. now with COVID, yeah. we're not, you know, obviously actively pursuing any of that, but I still, I still have that little vision board in my mind, you know, of what it could be. Yeah. Mm. That's great. And that, yeah. that helps, you know, when you're struggling to get by, um, yeah. it helps, you know, we have not been eligible for a single PPE, no loans, no grants, um, because we purchased the restaurants, you know, during the pandemic, we don't have mm-hmm. last year's tax statements, you know, tax returns right. to offer. 
So we've been ineligible, which is unfortunate, um, you know, because we do have 24 employees that we're trying to keep, you know, on the payroll. Mm. And of course, we've had to reduce that as the numbers change and COVID numbers change. But I am really impressed that we've managed to keep ourselves in the game. Absolutely. You need to pat your, you really need to pat yourself on the back for that. You, you really, really do. And it just, it's an inspiration. And I think just even people listening to this, I just, I got chills when you were telling me about, you know, just what is that, that book that you read and how, you know, to people taking those steps, those, those risks. And, and, and so it's just, it's very inspiring to see where you guys how you started and where you're at. And so that, that really does, it leads me to my next question is what inspires you? Who or what inspires you? I think what inspires me is that I have everything I need to be successful. And I find Mm -hmm. what gets in my way is fear. You know, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not experienced Mm -hmm. enough. I'm not connected enough, whatever your barriers might be, you know, what, what sabotages a dream or a goal And it's often the things that we think we can't do. And I keep looking at this entire experience and during my darkest days and the moments where I'm shaking in the shower with fear, like, are we going to be able to do this? I have to talk to myself and say, you know, Gregan, you have every skill you need to make this successful. Mm. And I take comfort in knowing that if for some reason Bueno Loco doesn't succeed, it's never going to be because we mismanaged or we didn't have what it took or that we didn't mm-hmm. work hard enough. It, it'll be that we are a casualty of COVID. But mm-hmm. even knowing that, I'm still determined to just make it through. I, I, I keep telling mm-hmm. everybody, all I need is a pulse. I don't need anything more than that. You know, all of our mm-hmm. bills are paid. We don't owe anybody. You know, none of our vendors are owed anything. Our utilities are paid. I just need to keep the pulse going. You know, Jeremy Mm. and I work to just keep it alive because COVID will pass, you know, and the pendulum Mm -hmm. will Mm -hmm. swing the other way. You know, when and how, I don't know. Nobody knows, but I have confidence and faith that, Mm -hmm. you know, the tides Mm -hmm. will turn. You know, my brother Jeremy loves to say, and I've kind of stolen it from him, but his analogy in a lot of things is that a rising tide lifts all boats. And I mm-hmm. just love that because our mm-hmm. employees have been so, so great to us. I mean, and so great to that restaurant. When when your employees walk on the door and they haven't been there for two days because they were off and they said, oh, I missed being here. You know, I we didn't have any turnover in the front of the house, like zero turnover. People just, mm-hmm. they really believe in this restaurant and they believe, you know, what the customers tell us that. They love what we're doing. They love mm-hmm. the energy. They love the changes. They love the future. It's becoming their hometown spot and people that had gone away from it for a couple of years are coming back. So that is what inspires me, knowing mm-hmm. that we have changed a lot of people's minds about something, you know, that needed a little lifeblood, you know, mm-hmm. brought to it. You guys have brought community, it sounds like. It sounds like you guys really have this amazing community there. Mm. Yeah, we really do. And and to know that so many people are still at home and not coming in, I feel like they're curious and they've heard good things. You know, I, I make right. a point to talk to as many customers as I can every night and I'll say the same thing. You know, what brought you in tonight? And people either say it was your social media posting or 
you know, I heard from somebody that, you know, this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is great. This is a lot of fun. You've done a good job. That's you know, great. so building curiosity is really, you know, critical. It's, it's what I just, that's what I can do during that's COVID awesome. is to keep yep. building curiosity and keep ourselves in the line of people's vision. Cause when this yes. is all over, I want to be there, you know, Jeremy and yeah. I want this restaurant to be there. We want, you know, that vision board to be hung on our walls and say, this is what enables us to push through this because this is, mm-hmm. it's very scary out there. It's very depressing. And mm-hmm. I say that for all small businesses, it's not just restaurants. I mean, I'm in a mm-hmm. plaza on route one in Falmouth with boutiques, you know, and small gift shops and all kinds of industry around mm-hmm. us. And I look at all their storefronts too. And my heart just aches for all of us because Mm-hmm. It takes people supporting people. That's the magic formula, which isn't, yeah. you know, yeah, it's not complicated. And I just keep thinking of ways to keep that energy going mm-hmm. and to make sure people know that we're there and support comes in a lot of ways. You know, we, it's great. We partnered with the Falmouth food pantry this holiday and hoping that, you know, gets people to support community, you know, and the restaurant at the same time. So it's thinking mm-hmm. outside the box in ways you didn't expect to. Absolutely. Well, Greg, thank you so much for taking time out of your yes, out of your day uh, to, yeah. to talk with us and to share your story. It's it's been inspiring for us, and it's been Absolutely. it's been great to hear from you and to to hear just how how unique Bueno Loco is. And I'll make sure that I have all of your uh, your social media and web links and, and phone number in the show notes so that people can can uh, place a takeout order or stop by whatever they're most comfortable with. Uh, thank you so much again yes. just for sharing this and for also just for, for fostering that sense of community yes, at, at your restaurant and also in, in Falmouth as well. Um, oh, and, and we just welcome. wish you continued success. Yes, we wish you the best of success. Yeah.